When I was five years old, I remember sitting with a girl on the floor and we were playing that icebreakers game. And she looked right at me and she was like, do you know what sex is? And that's when it began for me. After that, everything changed in my life. I became hyper aware of what sex was. And a few years later, let's get the clown nose out right away, everybody. <laughs> let's have a kumbaya, hashtag me too moment for a second. I don't remember how old I was. I was definitely under 10. Um, and I'm not gonna go into detail, but there was a me too moment with a boy across the street that lived across the street. And after that, it was like my only focus was trying to figure out what happened to me. Like, I felt that I did something very, 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 very wrong, and I didn't know what. And to this moment, I don't really fully remember the event. I just know it happened. And after that, and you guys are probably going to think I'm super nerdy, <laughs> but I actually started to do what I called research. And I watched all these different types of pornography um, to try to figure out what happened to me. And I mean like every single type. So I started to become... I started to fear sex at a young age because <laughs> of the stuff I was watching. I I started to become disgusted actually with it <clears throat> because of the things that I saw. <laughs> I'm a Virgo, so I do like deep, deep research. And, you know, it really messed me up at a young age. Um, I will say that. The only type that I watched that didn't make me feel like I literally wanted to throw up was two women. So I started to think to myself that that's what I preferred at that age. When I was about 12, I had an experience with a friend of mine. Um, we had a very close friendship and I, I thought to myself, this feels more comfortable than with boys because I was bullied badly <laughs> by all the boys that I knew um, for being fat and, you know, it just, it, it felt like no, no boys liked me, right? And then when I got into middle school, I was bullied to the point of Let's get the clown nose out. That's when I started um, self-harming is when I was like 13 years old. That's also when I developed an eating disorder. Um... I would go on, and I know this doesn't seem like it has anything to do with sexuality, but it for me, it all does. It all ties together. It was all me trying to figure this out. Like, all my friends would be like, oh, like, 
Chet, he's so cute. Or like, Robert, he's so adorable. I love him. And I was literally like crying in the bathroom thinking about ending my life. <laughs> I know. This is, this is why I don't tell my story, right? Because it's like, I I, I feel like my my whole life has just felt really confusing. I'm just going to be honest with you, especially my sexuality um, has been one of the main points for me. So yes, I had an eating disorder in middle school, very confused with my sexuality, really didn't have any friends. I, I felt completely alone. I was homeschooled up until sixth grade. And then in seventh grade, I went to school for seventh and eighth grade. Um, didn't have really any friends. I was cutting. I was struggling with anorexia. I had lost a bunch of weight. I remember coming home and just laying on the bed. Um, and just closing my eyes like with my backpack still on I would just like lay down on my bed and just fall asleep because I was so weak from not eating um and nobody noticed and I'm not saying like oh like I wish somebody noticed it was like always bizarre to me how it seemed that way um, and I did ask for help multiple times, but, and, I, and you can go watch my, my other episode called Christian Censorship, and we, we talked about that ad nauseum on the Christian Censorship episode, <laughs> where it felt like, you know, it was suppressed. Like, if there was anything that was not happy I got the joy 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 down in my heart if it wasn't like that it was just not recognized at all um so anyways my parents pulled me out of public school and they put me into a private Christian school at this point I was extremely depressed um, this was my emo kid phase, everybody. <laughs> I, wear, I was wearing all my Hot Topic, right? All my black, everything, writing the sad poetry. <laughs> um. <laughs> and, uh, this school is actually very good for me. Uh, it was a small group. There was only, like, 12 kids in my whole class, so it gave me a chance to breathe a little bit. I went from a huge school, big town that I was that I was in with all these kids to like 12 kids. It was it was very good for me. I was able to kind of think a little bit again. Being in a cr private Christian school, it was a private Christian school. I was grappling with my sexuality and I remember writing a note to my friend and she was telling me how she felt like she was bi and I said that I felt like I was bi as well. Um, a little while before this, 
this note, the infamous note, and we'll, we'll hop back to the infamous note. But when I was, um, when I was in ninth grade, I wrote this poem in my English class. And my English teacher thought that it was so good that she, um, she gave it to the principal. So I was called into the principal's office. I thought I was in trouble. And he gave me the paper back, and there was a post-it note on the side, and I don't remember what it said. But he was, he was a, uh, he was he was not a man that would mince words. Let's put it this way. He was kind of a very he 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 held himself in a certain way. He did not mince words. Let's just leave it at that. And so it was an, a high honor for him to congratulate me on my, my writing. A little while after this, I was called into the principal's office again. But this time, the contract was brought up. Um, we had signed a contract when we came to school that we said that we would not participate in any quote-unquote homosexual activity. I guess one of the teachers found a note that I had given to my friend where we talked about that we were questioning our sexualities. Such a deep level of shame fell upon me at that point um, that I didn't want to go on. Let's put the clown nose back on. I felt like I was recognized for my writing, you know, just a short while before this. It made me feel like I mattered, like I had some talent, right? And to be called into the principal's office the second time, um, and just to feel like so ashamed of myself, He just looked at me with such disappointment. Um, I'm still here for those listening. This is a hard episode for me, even all of these years later. I mean, I'm talking about something from when I was like 14 and I'm 31 years old right now. It's that shame that sticks in your bones, man. This stuff. This is why I'm making, this is why I created this podcast. Because this is the stuff that the Christian church has done to so many people. It, it kills a person, whether literally, okay, or metaphorically speaking, where you go through life feeling like you are not really alive. I feel like I experienced both. <laughs> there were multiple times, let's put the clown nose back on, that I wrote 
letters, goodbye letters. When I was going to, let's be Gen Z about it, unalive myself, I wrote these letters many times where I was like, okay, this is the one. For people that are going through the same things I have and that are now deconstructing their faith because it's like we lived this whole lifestyle, especially for those in, in the LGBTQIA plus community, where we lived this life of shame and then we're coming to this point where we're like, hey, maybe we didn't have to live that way. Maybe it's fine after all. You would think that that would make you feel good, right? You would think it would be like, wow, now I'm free. I lived a life of shame, um, but now I don't have to be ashamed. It's fine that I'm, I'm LGBTQIA+. It's fine. Every, you know, everything's fine. It was all an illusion. You would think that that would change things for us. Um, and I can't speak for everybody because I don't know everybody's situation. I'll speak for myself and I'll say... It's just like what I said in my purity culture episode. If you missed that, go watch episode four. It's like the church expects us to block our sexuality, block our sexuality, block our sexuality since puberty. And then suddenly on your wedding night, you save your you save it all for marriage, right? You think suddenly you're just going to be like ready to have sex. It's your body has been conditioned. It's like that book, The Body Keeps a Score. It's all about trauma in the body. Our body is a record keeper. And so, okay, yes, people whose faith is deconstructing and we're, or we're reconstructing our ideas of, okay, it's, it's fine to be gay. Everything's fine. Or it's fine to be trans. It's fine. It's like, that's not just going to go away just because we reframed our ideas. And I'll, I'll speak for myself. Because some people I've seen in the deconstruction community seem super, super happy. Um, and I do have those feelings sometimes. But since I struggled so badly from a young age with my sexuality... Even though now I, I know that it's not wrong, it's still so ingrained in me that it's been really hard for me to function in society. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to say, say it like it is. But anyways, let's cycle back around. So it started off that um, I believed that I was bisexual, right? Then I was with a man for a few years in high school. Um, then there was a period of time where I was like, I think I'm asexual. So we went from B to A. All right. I didn't feel like I could ever have sex did not feel comfortable with any of that. Um, go watch my purity culture episode as to why. So we went from B to A. And we went from B to A 
to L, okay? I, I remember that I started me back in my research again, right? I remember years ago when I was on YouTube back in like 2009, I was watching all these lesbian YouTubers and I was like, you know what? I think I'm gay. And I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't get away from it. It, it plagued me. It plagued me so badly to the point where I just was like, you know what? Um, I think I'm a lesbian. Told him. We broke up. Um, had my first girlfriend. That experience was tumultuous. There was another essay incident, another Me Too moment. Let's get the clown nose back out with her. See, you know, people, I feel like people don't talk about the fact that, you know, there can be essay with two women. Um, there can be. There were tears streaming down my face, and I was told, uh, I want to finish. So... That was a very traumatizing experience for me. Um, and that was somebody that... Anyways, so after that, um, then I got back with um, the man I was with, who was my high school sweetheart. He asked me to marry him. I said yes. And then out of nowhere, he was like, I don't know you anymore. He broke up with me. He didn't tell me why. And then he got with my my brother's ex-girlfriend, right? So I was completely devastated because I was like, I felt like my life was falling apart because I was living a sinful lifestyle. Like, I felt that the reason why... Um, I felt like the reason why I had that experience with my first girlfriend, with the essay experience, I felt like it was because I was sinning and this was like God judging me, like showing me, see how wrong you are for being in a, with a, with a woman, see how wrong it is. Um, this is the kind of thing that happens when, you're doing something sinful. And and there was um there was a story in Brenda Davies God is Gray on YouTube, her book on her knees that like really touched me deeply because she talked about a similar experience like this where um she was having sex with a man that she felt like she was like out of her body and she just felt like see this is what I deserve. You know, I'm in this moment um, I'm living a quote-unquote sinful lifestyle, and this is what I get, basically. This is what I get, right? <sighs> Excuse the cough drop, by the way, folks. You know, my throat hurts. <laughs> so anyways, that's what I thought. And so this is what I did. I decided, I'm like, I'm going to be straight. I'm like, I'm sick of living a sinful lifestyle. That's what I said to myself at the time. I want to be a godly, holy girl. I want to be a good girl that marries a man. I just want my life to be fine. 
you know, I, I want everything, I want to live a holy life so that things are okay. So I was like, okay, I give up on all this, this stuff, right? I've been grappling with my sexuality for all these years. I was thinking this when I was like 19 years old. And I'm like, you know what? That's it. I'm deciding, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to be with a man. I'm going to get married. I'm going to do things to quote unquote right way. I pushed all of that down. I suppressed all of my, my other sides of myself. Um, and I didn't even go into this, but there was a whole section that I also missed where I felt, well, I, I, back then we used the word genderqueer. Now we, we don't really use that word as readily I found, but back, back when I was like really grappling with my sexuality, I was also grappling with my gender as well. So I've been the B, I've been the A, I've been the Q, I, I've been the L. I feel like I just cycled through every freaking letter in the damn alphabet here. With my, with my sexuality, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, people also say that the Q can be questioning as well as queer. Um... And I almost feel like my my uh, gender almost needs a whole episode in and of itself. Um, but I just wanted to touch on that because that was another big part of things for me. Um, having to do with gender roles and women in the church that they have to submit to men. And I just, I rejected that so freaking badly because I felt like I was destined to be a leader and they basically were like, no, you're destined to be a housewife that just submits to her husband and has sex whenever he wants her to, even if he, she doesn't want to. But anyways, we'll get, we'll get to that probably on a different episode when we talk about like gender roles and women in the church and, and roles in the church and all that. I want to talk about all this stuff because I got experience with all of it. I've been holding this in for like 20 years, folks. So I got lots of stories. So anyways, I was like 19 years old. High school sweetheart proposed to me. I was like, th I threw out the rainbow flag. I was like, all right. Uh, I'm just going to be a good, straight, holy girl, right? And then, like, I felt like such a fool when this happened because I felt like I went against my own authenticity to do that. And then he was basically like, peace out. I was left alone and with no explanation... <laughs> I know, it's so sad, I know. <laughs> See, this is why I don't like to tell these stories, because I don't like people to know my vulnerabilities. <laughs> um, but I feel like this this is a story that needs to be told so that you guys can, like, relate to it and put yourself in... Like, we can talk about this stuff, and it doesn't matter if we don't have similar stories. It's just a matter of, like, the solidarity, or not solidarity, uh, the camaraderie is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm trying to say it's the camaraderie um, with grappling with your sexuality in the church, and then me feeling so ashamed that I went totally against my, my authentic feelings to, quote-unquote, be straight, and then he left me anyway, and so then three years after that, I was in full-time ministry with my parents. 
Um, and I had just decided at that moment that I was going to remain celibate. I'm like, this is God punishing me. I can't even, he doesn't even want me to marry a man even. So I just need to remain completely celibate. I need to suppress these desires that I have for women, right? Um, this was the, the period of my life when I was like hell bent that I was going to become uh, like a missionary in Mozambique, Africa um, with Heidi and Roland Baker, Iris Ministries. I was like, that is the path for me. I am going to be a nun, basically. I'm going to remain celibate. I'm going to devote my life to Jesus. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but I feel like I was doing it for the totally wrong reasons. And I convinced myself that it was because I wanted to be pious. So after like three years of deciding that that was going to be the case for me, that I was not going to get married, that I was going to remain single and just devote my life to the service of God, it was like suddenly I just couldn't live a lie anymore. I felt like I was just living a lie. And so hopped on some apps, some dating apps, um, met somebody, um, dated some women, um, and then dated solely women for the past, like, 12 years, I would say. Um, so I identified as a lesbian for the past, like, 10 plus years, let's say that even while I was a minister and everything. And we will get into that in another episode. Like, how the hell did I cloak my sexuality being a minister for 10 years? Well, I lived a double life. And I'm tired of, of you know, trying to hide that. Because that is what happened. I lived a double life. And, um, and see this now, what I'm about to say, now I'm getting to my true point of this whole episode. If you've made it this far, truly thank you for listening because I, I really haven't even talked about some of this stuff to even my closest friends. So thank you for, for even listening to my story um, I would love to hear yours. Please leave your stories in the comments so that I can connect with you. Because this has been hard, you guys. This has been a life of challenge for me with my sexuality. But this is my point. When I had a spiritual awakening in 2021 and my faith deconstructed and I left the Christian ministry... I started doing all of this inner healing and shadow work. And it was like the masculine and feminine energies within me. I started to become healed. I started to, it, it was a combination of shadow work and parts work, IFS, internal family systems, where it's like you, you basically contact the different parts of yourself and bring them out and help walk them through kind of these 
processes of releasing old things and coming to terms with certain things. It's, it's kind of also like a hypnotherapy blend as well. Um, and I did this all on my own. <laughs> Don't necessarily recommend that to others. I'm just saying it's what, what's happened to me. And it was like all this stuff started coming out of the woodwork. It's like when you lift up a rock in the woods and then you see all those critters underneath the rock and you're like, oh my God, all this stuff was here the whole time. It's like I realized that I suppressed parts of myself from like age 15. And as I started doing this work with a divine feminine, it was like there were, I realized that that, that that feminine energy within myself, it was so deeply suppressed from the time I was like a teenager. And weird stuff started happening with my gender and my sexuality again. Like, you guys, I was, I felt like, all right, I'm good. I'm a lesbian. I finally come to terms with it. I, you know, it, I, my faith deconstructed, so now I can finally accept who I really am without any shame, right? And then all of a sudden, it was like all of this stuff, it was a resurgence again. My gender, my sexuality, I was like, I don't know how to describe it other than it's like the masculine and feminine energies within me started to like move around. And... I started feeling differently. I was like, wait, am I just doubling down on I'm a lesbian because they literally and they, I mean they, lots of people are they, quote unquote they in my life. The, the modern Christian church and all the people that I knew, really everyone in my life in the past was not okay with my sexuality at all. So I was completely alone in it. I was hiding it completely, okay? Um, and I identified as a lesbian for over 10 years. And then I had the spiritual awakening. All this stuff was happening within me. This shadow work, everything was coming out. Things were moving around. And suddenly I was just like, you know what? It's not about L, it's not about B, it's not about G, it's not about Q, it's not about A, it's not about any of this. That's why I, and I love our community. Don't, don't get me wrong. We need this community. We need each other. I'm not putting down our community. I'm not saying that there's no point to have our community. I'm just saying that it's been all so traumatic and stuff for me, and it's been all so confusing and trying to like box myself into all these freaking categories that at this point, I'm just like, I'm the plus. I'm the plus. I, 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 I can't even fully identify as a lesbian anymore because I've felt different lately. And at this point, I'm just like, I'm just a person and everybody else is a person and that's it, you know? And so as long as the person I'm with loves me and I love them, that's what matters. Um, and that's, that is the journey I've taken with my sexuality and with my gender. I truly feel like I'm kind of the whole freaking rainbow at this point. I feel like I've cycled through 
the whole freaking thing. And um, that's not a bad thing, you know? It's like we... And this is what I believe anyway. It's the freaking Kinsey scale anyway, right? It's... We, we're... We're human beings. We're, we're not meant to be put in boxes anyways. And this is not to invalidate anybody who identifies as one letter. That's why I'm just saying I'm the plus. Because at this point, I just... I've been through so much with all of this since I can remember that I'm just to the point where I'm like, I just want to exist. I just want to exist within the extra category, you know? The plus is like, anything we didn't mention, here's the plus. So that's where I feel most comfortable, right? Um, so there we go. <laughs> I am truly on a daily basis working through this stuff still. The modern Christian church has hurt me so badly with sexuality and gender and gender roles and, and that I, I don't even really know what to say. And that's why I haven't even wanted to make episodes like this. And I haven't even really looked at the camera this whole freaking episode because I just feel so deflated from all of this. You know, it just, it takes, it takes the spark out of you, man, all this stuff. It's, it's, it's torture. And, and I'm just getting to the point in my life where I'm ready to just freaking exist. I'm tired of all this stuff. I just want to exist. And, um, I feel like that's what we deserve for those of us who have gone through for those of you who have gone through similar experience in any part of this of what I've talked about today this is what I wish for us that we can just exist normally without shame and just be who we are and have that spark come back to us Again, and maybe even for the first time, because like I said, this started for me at like five years old. This has been a lifelong thing that has been on my mind every single day. And I have tried and tried and tried and tried to just feel okay. And that's why to, at this point, I'm just like, you know what? It's time for me just to be Missy Gordon. And stop thinking about all this stuff all the time. Because even after my faith deconstructed and I no longer believe I'm going to burn in hell for all of eternity for my sexuality and gender. It still is here. You know? And I don't think we can just get rid of it. I think it's something that... It's like we need to integrate it. And that's part of the work that I've been doing with shadow work and parts work and just inner healing since 2021 is just trying to like let all of this stuff exist within me and just be welcome here like like you know 
I saw Christina Lopes do this one time on a video and she talked about how you if you just like rub your arms like this kind of like you're hugging yourself for those listening it's like if you're giving yourself a hug and you kind of squeeze your arms on both sides and you just it's that sensory touch of just like holding yourself like in a hug I feel like some of us are just like in a fetal position on the freaking floor, man, from some of this stuff. And we just need that healing bomb of Gilead if you want to be biblical about it. It's that healing bomb that just comes through and just makes you feel like you're okay. It's kind of like when you're sick and you're, you know, it's like all you want is just your mom like when you're a kid to come around and you know put the blanket on you and you know put that warm washcloth on your head and it's just it's like you're sitting in front you're laying in front of the fireplace on the couch and you can hear the crackling of the fire and it's warm and you're wrapped up and it's just that simple nurturing feeling that's what I want for all of us, just to know, no matter what we've been through, it's gonna be okay. It's been wrong what you've been through, you know. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care what anybody says. What I've been through has been hell and all they said oh you're gonna go to hell you're gonna go to hell you're gonna go to hell for that you're gonna be gonna go to hell for being a homosexual to me that word is literally a slur the word homosexual when I hear it I cringe it's like I feel like that should be like outlawed that word but anyways that's for another day it's like they've been telling me for years you know all these homosexuals are gonna burn in hell it's like honey I've been in hell I don't know what you're talking about Burning hell. I've been burning, sweetheart. I've been burning since age five. Right? People just want to get another notch on their belt to make them feel superior in religion, and that's that. I don't think they even fully comprehend the damage that they're really doing, and that's not an excuse, but we're here, and we've dealt with it. We're here, we're queer, right? And, and it's time for us to just learn to exist, and just be okay. Back to that warm fireplace. Simple nurture. Simple. I'm here right now. This is this is the sort of like mantras I've had to do since my faith has been deconstructing. It's just simple. It's like I'm here. I exist <laughs> in this moment right now. Nothing in the past, nothing in the future, just now, in this moment, sitting here, recording a podcast, right? Existing. Existing. Eckhart Tolle talks about presence. You know, some people call it mindfulness, like a mindfulness practice. I like I like Eckhart's um, take that he calls it presence. And that's what I'm talking about is, is presence, just existing. What is all this? You know, what, what are all these 
these things, all these words, all these labels. People are just people. I don't care who you are. We need to throw away these things that have been said over us and like cancel these these words of death over us. It's like, well, you know, we've moved on. We know that we're not going to burn in hell for all eternity. We've deconstructed those ideas. I understand that and I'm glad because I feel that way too. But I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, yes, I'm glad that we have evolved mentally. Um, for many of us who have questioned the Christian faith, who have deconstructed their faith, who have changed beliefs. These are all wonderful things. We're evolving, we're growing, we're asking questions, we're changing, we're expanding. These are all wonderful things. But I feel it's doing a disservice if we don't learn to integrate all this stuff and we just think that it's just just by chopping it off that it's going to go away. Those words of death, and I truly mean that, that were spoken over us time and time and time again since we were, for some of us, since we were children, like, you know, you're going to burn in hell, you know, just take that for example, because that's, that's what most of us have probably heard if we're part of the LGBTQIA plus community. Those are words of death, and we cancel those. Let's just cancel them together right now. Let's just take a second I want you to take a second, and I, I don't mean this to be triggering, I really don't. I want this to be helpful. If we And we don't even have to think of the words, just think of the feeling. Think about how it made you feel. Let's just think about, let's feel the feelings that we were, that, that were, the feelings of pain that we felt through our lives, the feelings of shame those words of death that were spoken over us. And let's just take a second right now and let's say together, I cancel that. I cancel that. Ready? Let's say I cancel that on, on three. One, really feel it in the body. Two, three. I cancel that. Again, I cancel that. One more time. I cancel that. That has no power over you anymore. That is not who you are. You are a being of light. You are a being of love. You are worthy. You are wonderful. You are a beautiful being. No matter how you identify, these are all just made up anyways, right? And like I said, I'm glad we have our community, right? It's needed. We need to have this community, the LGBTQIA plus community, and I'm so thankful for it. But what I'm saying is that at the end of the day, we're just beings. And it's really not just. It's, it's, it's an amazing reality. And that's what I'm trying to bring it around to is just back to the basic and it's not really basic, but it is just that existence. Like we're all just floating out in space. We're beings that exist on this planet in 2022 or whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> 
And here we are in this moment just existing. No labels, no words, no none of it, no religions, no ideas, no no parents disapproving of us, no principals being disappointed that we didn't live up to our potential and 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 people in church telling us we're going to hell and, and hiding our sexualities and and trying so damn hard to be these quote unquote holy people when at the end of the day what is any of that if we don't have love? That is the Bible. If you want to talk Christianity, if you want to talk the Bible, if you want to talk 1 John, what does it say? God is love. You want to define who God is? Love. And Christians will say, well, yeah, but that doesn't mean love. That means God's sort of love. And God's sort of love hates all those homosexuals. It's like, okay, right. And that's when we just have to, once again, cancel, 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 cancel. You don't even have to say it to anybody. You don't have to grandstand. You don't have to look at them and say, you know, F you for this and that. Forget it. Don't even bother talking to those people. It's like negotiating with terrorists. You're not going to get a word in. They have all their their pre- they have all of their debates already pre-written down in the side of the brain. They don't care what you say. They don't care about your feelings. And I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just saying from my experience, I have argued these points for 20 effing years and I have gotten nowhere with it. I had tried everything possible. I gave my life to the Christian church. I gave my everything. I tried everything. I prayed and prayed and prayed. I tried everything. And at the end of the day, this is where I've ended up existing. You can't fix all that. We need to stop, or I'll speak for myself. I had to stop trying to convince people to love me, to convince people that I was worth something, to convince people that, that you know, God loved me and God loved my community. You can't negotiate with these people. They're going to believe what they're going to believe and they're going to believe it until the death. You know what I'm saying? And again, I'm not, you know, of course people can change. Of course people can open their their minds just like we have in the deconstruction community. Of course. I'm not I'm not closing the door on that either. I'm just saying sometimes the only thing you can do is just walk away and just in your own heart, in your own life, just cancel those words of death. Cancel those feelings of death. Cancel those lies that were spoken over you because they are lies. That's from the devil. That's the devil. People want to talk about the devil. Oh, you're going to hell. The devil got you. Oh, you've fallen into the devil's trap. You're living a life of the devil. You're 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 a child of the devil. You're 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 living a sinful lifestyle. It's like you want to talk about the devil? That's that is the devil. Speaking lies over people. That is what the devil is. That is the devil. So we don't have to spend our time arguing, arguing, arguing with, with these people. We just walk away gracefully and we heal ourselves. And we bring ourselves back to the present moment. And we encourage ourselves every single day that we are worthy. We are valuable. We are special because all of us are. All of us are unique. All of us are amazing. We all have things to offer this world. And even if for the rest of your life you did nothing, you literally just sat 
in your bedroom playing Call of Duty for the rest of your freaking life, your existence matters. Your existence changes the reality of the world, right? So it's not about doing this and doing that and making sure we quote unquote make a difference in the world. Your existence is the difference. Your existence is the change. And if, if nobody has told you recently that your existence matters, that's what I'm here to tell you today. Just your sheer existence on this planet changes the course of history. You matter. You're important. You're special. You're valuable. This one woman, every time she would leave um, our church services, she would look me in the eye, this older woman, and, and God, God bless her. Maybe she's even looking down on me now as I'm saying this. She would look me right in the eye and she would say, you are so precious and valuable. And my God, I hadn't really heard that. And it really made a difference. So this is not me coming out and just bashing the Christian church like every single Christian in the world is an effing liar and, and we hate them all, burn them all. No. None of this stuff is black and white. And that's why it's almost like... I almost just wanted... I just want to bring it back to the simplicity of existence. And I'm not saying that we don't need to stand for what's right, that we don't need to speak for truth, that we don't need to stand for the victims. I believe in all of that more than anybody. I believe in activism. I believe in all of it. And I will spend my life defending people that have, have not had defenders. But at the same time, for our own safety, for our own healing, for our own sanity, we've just got to take a moment and just be present like Eckhart talks about. That presence of just existing in the now. Without all of these words and, and feelings and labels and people and religions and ideas. Let's just be beings that exist here. I love you, and I hope this message gets to who it needs to get to. It's been Missy Gordon the Metamystic here, and I will see you on the next episode. Take care.